Welcome to the RG Podcast Network and the RG Business Navigate series. This podcast presents topical global business stories that affect Bermuda. Series host Shivani Seth interviews business leaders and experts in finance, insurance, reinsurance, risk, accounting, and other business services. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the RG Business Navigate series. I'm Shivani Sait and I'm your host. Today, my guest joining me in the studio is Neville Grant, the CEO of Bermuda Commercial Bank. Welcome, Neville. Great. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So almost a year ago to the day, you were appointed as the CEO of BCB, Bermuda Commercial Bank. Yes. Tell me a little bit about the bank. Sure. So we have been around since 1969. It's so interesting. When I first talked to Roe, my mom said to me, did you start that bank? And I was like, <laughs> no, it's been around. No, we haven't been as vocal and as outstanding as we, we probably are today. Okay. Uh, we've, we've tried to get a message out uh, about what we are and what we do. <clears throat> Historically, we were not as focused in the local space and certainly not in the consumer space uh, as we are now. But we are a full-service bank okay. uh, offering a range of products and services, more specifically consumer lending, mortgages, uh, credit cards, custody on, on the business side. We also have a number of commercial features, foreign exchange and the like, but all you would expect from a full-service bank, uh, that's what we would be offering at uh, Bermuda Commercial Bank. Okay, and a question to understand your customers. Are you entirely Bermuda-based or do you have an international outlook as well? We, we, we aspire. So right okay. now we're a local offering only. It doesn't mean that we don't have international clients because we certainly do have a, a full section of our portfolio that has uh, international clients. But in terms of one branch, which is on island. Okay. Uh, so located on Bermudiana Road. But uh, again, as we look forward uh, into the future, there's no reason why we can't develop partnerships, synergies, and think about expansion into other parts of the world. Uh, but certainly open for business, whether that's in Bermuda or overseas. Okay, very exciting. Thank you. So you talked a little bit about the bank setting up in 1967. I noticed that in July 21, the bank actually changed ownership. Yes. Uh, so what does that actually mean for the bank? Is there a new strategy in place? What does this new ownership mean? Yeah, so it brings with it a whole level of, of, of excitement. I think there was a focus. Previously, the bank operated a bit like a mutual fund. Okay. Uh, customer deposits come in. Those customer deposits were typically invested in the local and international market. Now, with the new ownership team, they had a vision of how can we become a, a challenger bank? How can we offer something new and different? Uh, and how do we get to a place where the community sees a different offering in the banking space. Okay. And so when I became CEO, we set about creating five strategic priorities to help us focus and, and be specific about what we wanted to accomplish. So those okay. five strategic priorities are grow our lending book, reposition our balance sheet so we could look more like a traditional bank. Three, invest in, develop, and grow our people. Uh, the next one is to continue on our risk transformation and journey. Uh, so that we could have a proper functioning bank that comply with all our regulatory framework and risk frameworks. And then last is invest in digitization so that we become a digital bank. Not a crypto yes. bank, but a digital bank. Okay. Because I think over time you will see the journey of the customer has significantly changed. Our right. children 
will not walk into a post office. They no. will not make a mixtape. <laughs> they will not uh, uh, go and fill in stacks and stacks of paper at the local branch. So that journey, probably accelerated by COVID as well, has changed the way people interact with financial institutions and probably changed the way they've interacted as consumers. And so we need to be adept uh, to that because, again, <clears throat> the bank of the future does not look like the bank that we had where we would have printed passbooks and right. all the creative stuff, give out toasters at account opening, etc. Okay. Uh, I, I watch the younger generation now, even my great niece, she swipes on the TV <laughs> because she thinks it's an iPad, right? Yeah. And so it's probably a, a significant investment in digitization, a uh, significant investment in the online journey. Okay. Uh, where, again, the way customers interact with banks you know, worry before uh, online banking was everything was make an appointment, put on your Sunday best, stroll yes. into the bank. And so we, we've taken some steps to make sure that the investment in our digital effort is matching and will look like what the bank should look like in the future. Just a question on digitalization. actually. As you said, you, nobody will be putting on their Sunday best. I think there's still, or correct me if I'm wrong, there's still an element of us that or customers that would actually like to still meet and greet their relationship manager sure. and have that service, is that still going to be in play? Cause it's Absolutely. Okay. So we, we still encourage people to come by. Uh, we talk about, you know, booking an appointment to come because the digital journey is not for everybody. Okay. And I think as there's transition, as there's change, we need to be able to offer all of the channels of contact for our customers. Okay. So if you prefer to come in and sit and have a direct one-on-one -on -one conversation, it's absolutely possible. we're welcome. If you want to ring us up, we're, we're probably the only bank with Bermuda still in our name. <laughs> so we're here. <laughs> so okay. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and if that means via telephone, uh, whether that means coming in in person, okay. uh, we're, we're, we're welcome and open to that. Great. Thank you. Um, so Bermuda Commercial Bank recently partnered with the government in a $50 million pilot scheme aimed at helping first-time buyers. Could you tell me a little bit more about this? Um, I noticed it was launched in October. Sure. How is it progressing? Really well. <clears throat> and, and I think if we step back a little bit in terms of some of the challenges that we've seen in the local banking market, Bermuda historically has had a pretty conservative and, and traditional uh, banking approach, and, and that approach also lent itself, pardon the pun, uh, to the uh, lending approaches that the, most of the banks have today. Okay. That has served us really well during times of difficulty, and we saw Bermuda's financial sector probably wasn't hit as hard as we would have seen in other markets. <clears throat> but what it also means as well, it makes it difficult for some people to get up onto the property ladder, given how expensive real estate is in Bermuda. Yes. Uh, and so the thought and the ethos behind the partnership with the government was, how, how can we make borrowing in a mortgage space more affordable? Uh, and again, what does that look like if we broke it down into phases? So the first phase was focused largely on first-time home buyers below the age of 40, uh, Bermudians or spouse of Bermuda applying together and creating an opportunity for them. Because I think the, the bigger concern from a population perspective in Bermuda, was that if it becomes too expensive to live here, especially as it relates to accommodations, then you're more likely to consider moving off island. Agreed. And we saw, or not returning at all. 
if you're, you're still and away. We, we need the numbers in Bermuda. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> and, and we need those numbers specifically employed numbers as well. So people yes. with jobs, people with an investment in the community. And so if you're away, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, if you're away in university and contemplating coming back to Bermuda and you don't have the ability to stay with uh, family, you, you'd probably say, well, it doesn't really make sense coming back. Or you come back, you pay these rents, which the rental market has seen a decline with the closure of hotels and the increase in Airbnbs, and so that has become a competitive space. So how do we help people to, to get on their property ladder? And the two primary factors that impacted uh, the ability to get a mortgage was the deposit. Okay. So most people have said, look, I could afford it when that payment time comes, uh, but I, it, saving up enough to put the deposit on is difficult. Okay. And then the second one was the rate. <clears throat> so ongoing servicing. Probably 99% of the mortgages in Bermuda are variable. So right. they're going to fluctuate based on the economics and how the things operate within the, the community, largely indicative of what we see in the U.S. <clears throat> and so tackling that those two points, the thought was, how do we reduce the deposit that's required on the mortgage? but still keep it safe within the parameters of the guidance from the BMA as well as the risk profile right. uh, for the bank. Okay. And so the government has provided what is not really a guarantee but more of an assurance because in the event, for whatever reason, that the mortgages run into difficulty, the fresh recourse is back to the mortgage and the property itself. Right. And if there's any residual, that's where the government gets involved. So I know there's been some concern about what that impact has to the Bermuda community as this is, you know, the public purse. But it's more of an assurance program rather than a guarantee program. Okay. So that has gone extremely well. The outpouring in the community has been fantastic in terms of the original launch. So we've probably had 93 applicants so far. Okay. And they're in various different stages. Some didn't meet the criteria of the first phase. Uh, but we've already seen it progress uh, to we, we have eight individuals already that are approved uh, for mortgages, some totaling about uh, four and a half to five million in, oh, wow. in lending, okay. which, is, which is really great. And yes. then the stories behind uh, those mortgages are really great. This is exactly what you would want for the community. This is exactly what you want for Bermuda. Absolutely, uh, you've created a, a very much a unique opportunity. V very much so. And, and so we'll, we'll probably do a little bit more of an advertorial in the future so that you can start to see the names and faces behind the program okay. and how it's helped them to achieve the dream of home ownership. So and is there a cut-off point in terms of the number of applicants you're allowed to have or a cut-off date? Not, not initially. So there's going to be multiple phases that come after phase two, uh, we'll make the determination of when it's appropriate to launch into phase two and three. Uh, but the sense now is, you know, we, there's enough of an of a interest in that initial phase for first-time yes. home buyers uh, that, you know, it, it's enough for us to look at right now. I I don't, with it, the 50 million guarantee can support up to about 250 million in total lending, so I don't okay. see us running out of that headroom just All yet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll start to have some announcements probably soon about what phases two and three yes. will look like. Because ultimately, it's it's an opportunity to reduce the cost of borrowing in Bermuda. Yes, and it's a fantastic opportunity because 
worldwide, everyone's struggling to get on that property ladder. That's all you read about is first-time buyers struggling, they're ending up renting, and you lose all your money through paying through your rent. So this is a fantastic opportunity that you're offering. Yeah, and and to create and move people from renters to earners is also good for the economy. Yes. You know, because then there's a vested interest. We don't see like what we see in the U.S. and Canada and others where people hand over the keys and walk away. Right. Because earning a piece of a rock of the rock, which is the, the sort of standard phrase, is, key. Yeah. is critical. And it becomes, you know, part and parcel of your know, future life and sustainability going forward. No, definitely. Thank you. And what other initiatives does BCB engage in to serve the community in Bermuda? Yes, yeah, so we're, we're just re-emerging, I would say, okay. is the best way <laughs> to put it you know, demonstrating and showing that we're a part of the community because yes. as much as people talk about the bank, the bank is the sum product of what occurs in the community. We've we've launched our ESG program. Okay. Uh, that that will be specifically focused on the sort of high level items of reducing plastics, uh, you know, beach cleanup. Uh, so we will see our staff get more involved in those types of programs. Sure. We've also each year <clears throat> looked at charities that we think specifically uh, meet our focus and okay. our area of strategic uh, alignment. And so in the previous years, we've been very much focused around the impact of COVID. Mm-hmm. And so we gave to the Women's Resource Center, the Eliza Doolittle Society, uh, and the Family Center. Okay. But, you know, as we go forward, we think of more things like financial literacy. Right. Because even from what we've seen from the government mortgage program, there's a real need to understand you know, what is it about buying a house that you need to know? What is it about your finances that you need to manage? And so our focus now is in areas where we can help with the financial literacy. Yes. Uh, because a simple thing like you have to put a 10% deposit down, somebody would show up with $10,000 and say, here it is. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> whilst that might be a slight violation of sort of intro to math, it, it's again, it demonstrates probably a lack of awareness of some of these methods of calculating percentage, looking at an understanding of how to manage your household budget, looking at proper record keeping and tracking. Okay. So some of the challenges that we've seen with the applications is, you know, especially in the self-employed space, right? have not been able to really demonstrate and to take a consistent salary, uh, that they've kept good record keeping around their sales. And so it, it makes it much harder to consider uh, applications like that or people in the service industry that haven't really kept a good track of their tips and gratuities for that. Right. So then when they say, look, I know I make, you know, 5,000 a month, but all we see is the check from the employer for the base and right. not the tips. And okay. Gratuities. And not the add-ons. <coughs> I, th- I think financial literacy is really a key area for so many people. I myself am self-employed. Yes. And just understanding what's coming in versus what's going out. You know, you can really land yourself in quite a deep soup. Uh, for sure, because <laughs> it, it, it is still possible to make money uh, but run out of cash. Yes, agreed. And, and so, <laughs> again, I, I think, you know, it's probably something that's a longer-term fix because I think a more educated community is a more empowered community. Absolutely. And, you know, people don't realize that managing a household is akin to running a small business. Yes, And so there's a number of sort of parallel messages. There's a number of key things that you need to consider. So where we could help in that space, it's going to be critical for us. That sounds very interesting. And for that matter. Yes, absolutely. Um, So talking a little bit about rising inflation and rising interest rates, how has that actually, has that impacted 
Bermuda Commercial Bank. How has it impacted you? What are you finding with it? It's a good question. So I I declare my conflict. Rising (laughs) interest rates for a banker is a good thing. Yes. But maybe we can step back a little bit and talk about why rates go up. Okay. And and what that mechanism is designed to do. So whilst it may not be directly applicable uh, to Bermuda, it it is the, the sort of ethos behind why Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, f- the Fed is raising rates. So let's talk about rates first, and then we'll talk a little bit about inflation. Okay. So rates in an in a, in a overheated economy or a, a struggling economy, you increase the value of somebody's deposit because you want to encourage people to save. And that's largely because you want them to be better prepared going into a difficult financial time. Yes. So the Federal Reserve in the U.S. increases interest rates to encourage people to save. And that means, as a consequence, the cost of borrowing goes up mm-hmm. because they say, this is not the time we want you to take on more debt. We okay. want you to actually save your money. And so some people think that's slightly counterintuitive, that you know, in a time where you want economic growth and recovery, you want to make it cheaper to borrow. Uh, and then it means people, they in, in a, a falling interest rate environment, it means it, it makes no sense saving because there's no benefit uh, right. in a low interest rate environment to save your money because it's encouraging you to spend. So that dynamic, it's meant to correct whatever economic challenge is going on at a time, whether it's overheating an economy or whether it's a sluggish or declining economy. So in relation to inflation, I know that rhymes a little bit, but in relation to inflation, <laughs> it is it impacts the borrower. Okay. And what that does, it makes it, if everything is more expensive, your ability to manage, uh, you know, the sort of excess cash that you used to save is more difficult. Okay. And so, for a bank, that becomes problematic because you end up with more people struggling to make repayment on your lending facility. Yes. And then, for the individual, not to be selfish, and talk about the bank's perspective, is on the individual, you see your cost of food, your cost of housing. Everything going up. It it increases. Mm -hmm. And so your disposable income is now getting depleted. If it wasn't (laughs) at zero before, you you start to eat into it. And then people also say, good grief, in in a rising interest rate environment, my cost of my, you know, loan is going up because the banks then increase lending rates. Now, thankfully, we have not. As we look around, our responsibility in the community our approach strategically was to not move our base lending rate. Now, this, this is not to suggest that <laughs> it's, it's about altruism either. It's, it's really, again, recognizing that increasing the cost of borrowing may put some pressure uh, on borrowers, and it also creates an opportunity for us to help people to reduce their cost of yes. borrowing by transferring from another financial institution. So, okay. again, very strate- strategic focus and very specific focus to reduce the cost of borrowing. Okay, well, I'd actually like to thank you for that explanation because for those of us that are um, familiar with the financial world, understanding rising inflation, rising interest rates seems so easy, Mm -hmm. very clear, clear economic strategy. But for those that are not familiar with with the financial industry, you would struggle and you would question why is everything going up and, oh, my goodness, I can't meet this and I can't meet that cost. So so I actually thank you for that explanation. It's the clearest one I've had. (laughs) Good. And again, one of the questions that people ask is, man, why is borrowing so expensive in Bermuda? 
if you look around at the U.S., there's so many other mechanisms. And I'm not just picking on the U.S., but in the U.K. and Canada as well, they have yes. similar rate rises or projected rate rises. In fact, in some parts of Europe, it was negative rates. Mm-hmm. So that that's really disincentivizing people to sell, I mean, to save. Yes. So we, we apply what is a negative interest yield on it because we, we're, we're actually forcing you to spend and have zero dollars to fire up the com- economy because it's in that much of a, a bad shape. So when, when we look at it, sometimes people say, wow, man, if I look at the, the, the Fed and their rates in low interest rate environment, Bermuda should be at that low rate as well. Mm-hmm. But now look, we're, we're talking about a, Fed base rate somewhere in the 600, 700 basis point range yes. or yes. 7%. <clears throat> so we have to be careful of what we ask for because in a, in, a, in a rising interest rate environment, it could be quite significantly expensive reliance specifically on the, the Federal Reserve as an indicator. So Bermuda is unique. We have banks providing lending of last resort. Uh, we don't have the central bank models that you see elsewhere no, where they can correct. purchase Bermuda has a currency board, yes. and I know this is probably way deeper than we probably need to get into, <laughs> but those same dynamics that exist about adjusting rates and you know moving to encourage these various different changes in the economy doesn't apply to Bermuda. So right, each definitely. bank has its own cost of borrowing, has its own cost of deposits, okay. uh, and they make their own determination about what the most applicable base rate is for them. Okay. Well, thank you for giving us that information. I'd like to pivot a little bit sure. to the talent war ongoing in Bermuda. Yes. So how does Bermuda Commercial Bank attract and retain talent? Yeah, one of the things that uh, I mentioned in our strategic priority is to invest in and develop and grow our people. Okay. I think it. We, we could talk about all the amazing tech that exists. We could talk about the brand names and everything, but it's the people that do business with people. Absolutely, yes. And I, I think it's absolutely important to make sure that you have the best and the brightest uh, working with you. Okay. And, and in order to attract and keep that talent, especially in Bermuda where your sort of banking skill set is relatively limited. I don't know many people that wake up and they want to be and doctors, to be lawyers, right. and maybe <laughs> chiefs. Uh, maybe even now they want to be accountants because they want a big time job in the reinsurance and insurance market. But very rarely do you somebody aspire to banking. Maybe, Bank. maybe my daughter because she says, oh, you're a banker, I could be a banker too. <laughs> Uh, probably because she th- sees it as a simple job, but uh, oh, hardly. Yeah, yeah we'll, <laughs> we'll be tied. But so now we have to see in this new age of talent recruitment and talent development that okay. people are probably. I know people got to jump and scream. But they're less focused on remuneration, and they're really focused on what I would describe as goal congruence. How does what I want to accomplish, what I want to do, my value set, what I think is important, marry up to the organization? And and so, especially with the millennial instead of joining us, yes, uh, because they have a different view. You they and do. I, or even our parents, you know, rocked up to the same place for thirty-five years, got a gold watch at retirement, and we only ever worked for one company. And we were happy with that. Yeah, we we <laughs> thought you know if we could just gut it out for thirty years, then we would, we would leave <laughs> at sixty-five, and and then hopes we got a couple of years after to travel and do some other right. things. But the new generation is different. They, they are much more comfortable in the gig economy. They, they much prefer uh, to do what they love to do, largely because we as parents have created an environment for them to do that. But it, it's a different ethos. I think we've also created an environment where they 
as you said, they're almost interviewing you yeah. rather than you interviewing them and they're seeing if it's the best fit. Exactly. And they're not, as you're saying correctly, so that they're not concerned about if they have a job in a year's time. Now, you remember when, even now, right, as you go through your corporate life, uh, you, you make sure that on your resume there's not these gaps and spaces. And, and long enough time in one organisation so show, so you can show your longevity. That's right. Yes. But no, it, it doesn't matter to them so much. If, if this is not working for them, they leave. So we have to make sure that there's enough, you know, augmentation in their work environment that it's not just about coming in 9 to okay. 5 doing their work. There's flexible working uh, you know, there, there's the ability to get involved in projects and initiatives. They're, they, they're much more interested now in empowerment, getting involved, having leadership roles, having stakeholder involvement roles. They also want to make sure that the organization aligns to what they think and feel from a value set perspective. Yes. So with the development of ESG is probably being accelerated by people saying, I don't want to work in an organization that treats people poorly. I don't want to work in an organization that doesn't value the environment. I don't mm -hmm. want to work in an organization that has predatory lending. I don't want to work in an organization that doesn't have the community interest at heart. And so it is great to be able to expand and broaden that so that the talent can see that we can get to a place where there's some goal congruence and alignment. It's, the other it's uh, a little bit like an interest rate. So as the interest rates go up, they're hoping <laughs> you're going to save. So as the millennials come in, they're hoping that we are reacting and making sure that we're ticking all the boxes that right. make them want, make it more attractive and if for not, them to work. They leave. Yes. And it, it's interesting, uh, it, you know, especially when we start to launch some of our digital solutions without advertising. We already had two or three people that applied. So that okay. means, you know, people are out looking uh, are. for this differentiation. And then the other piece, which I think is critical, is that they buy into the vision. Yes. If if you talk about the things that you're trying to accomplish, if you talk about what the organization is, is trying to achieve, if there is authentic leadership within the organization, people attracted that they buy into it because they want to be a part of it. And do you offer anything like a graduate scheme for, for people yes. recently out of university? Do you have a program? Yes, we do. We, we only just started. We just got a young man in. Uh, during the summer and now okay. he's transitioned into full-time employment which is exactly what we need okay again the focus is you know you you, you probably train develop and grow bankers rather than uh, hiring somebody That's out uh, of a program that, that graduated from banking school yes <laughs> and so it's important again from a succession planning and a continuity perspective that we have younger talent coming through uh, that understands banking that, that's raised in a banking environment so we have to do more of that in, okay. in the community as well. All right, thank you. So looking at key strategies for 2023, uh, you know, what are they for Bermuda Commercial Bank? And, and also a little bit more generally, what do you feel that is, is the outlook for banking in Bermuda? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't think we will change the five strategic priorities. We probably change the things that sit underneath them in 2023. Okay. So as we grow our lending strategy we'll probably look for other phases of the government mortgage program we'll probably look at other uh, new products that come on board uh, in the latter part of 23 to you know provide more uh, variety in the community okay. uh, as we look at even the you know repositioning of our balance sheet how do we start to become much more strategic about attracting deposits you know paying the best rates 
uh, being able to support innovation in, in, the, in the product and lending space. Same with the people. I, I think now that we've you know got a full executive team, uh, we have a you know, great ownership and great board uh, okay. that support us. And after the ownership change, uh, we got a new board with, with Chairman uh, David Brown, Deputy Chair Chris Mabry, uh, got some new individuals that joined the board. We rounded out our executive team. So now it's about deepening and broadening rather than okay. recruiting. And in the risk space, uh, I think we've come a long way. We've, we're in a good position, but you know, how do we start to get more strategic, uh, m- much more focus on what are emerging risks? People risk probably sits high on that list, cyber risk. Yes. Given where Indeed. we are, it's, yeah. it's an increasing focus across the board. Uh, it's sustainability risk. You know, how do you survive and last in, in a world where large, colossal organizations have to adjust and move and be a bit more fluid? And then in the digital space, we're, we will be launching an upgrade of our core banking system. Okay. Which will, will make us first in class, I, I would say, in Bermuda in terms of what's being offered and probably put us on par with what we see in the U.S. So I, okay. I, don't, I don't see it changing so much as maybe adjusting and tweaking a bit. Okay, uh, and generally forward. improving, yeah. providing a better service. And, and then in terms of where we see the sort of banking industry in general, I, I think it's going to, again, banks are part of the community. So I, I suspect that over time it will be a little bit more challenged if the, the overall inflationary you know, indicators continue. I think it will be tough uh, for people who are seeing it here in Bermuda. The cost of living is quite expensive. Okay. And as that eats into people's discretionary spending or as the lending uh, rates increase and, and the cost of borrowing increases, it's even more difficult for people to survive in a, in a tough area. And that ultimately leads to more impairments, at, and, and which means lending is, is not as solid as it was before. And it will put people in a, in a place where they're probably defaulting, which creates stress. And ultimately that, that stress then has other impacts on people's health and the like. So, yeah, I mean, there's reasons to be optimistic. Okay. We, we tend to be more creative when we're under pressure. Yes. And this is the royal <laughs> we. We in the world, we in Bermuda, <laughs> uh, we in the economy. But but I suspect that, you know, that kind of creates innovation. We saw it during COVID as well. Okay. Where you have to react uh, because doing nothing is not an option. Absolutely. So I, I suspect that whilst it will be challenging, you know, Bermuda has a, had a history of surviving these things and coming out and thriving. So, <laughs> you know, let's hope that some of the things that, and, and not just rely on the government either, because they, they're only a catalyst to kind of make things happen. Entrepreneurs are a great bedrock of the economy. So maybe you're moving away from traditional employment into okay. the gig economy and looking for entrepreneurial ideas that help to spur and grow uh, where it is, I, I I heard statistics. I probably misquoted in Bermuda that eight out of ten jobs are provide provided by a, a, a small or medium sized business, which here in Bermuda, here in Bermuda, which is okay. pretty high. That is very high. Uh, we, but again, a great sign that this is probably the recognition of what the future economy looks like. Okay, thank you. So if I turn to you now, Neville, <laughs> away from <laughs> away from well, not entirely away from BCB, but. <laughs> You know, you're approaching your first year anniversary, as I mentioned earlier, as CEO of the bank. Yes. What do you feel have been your greatest achievements and what have been your greatest challenges? Yeah, so if I, I look back, it, it was actually a year on December 7th. So it's uh, 
happy birthday from yes, back then. Indeed. But, <laughs> but as I look back, I'm probably most proud of the progress that we've made against the strategic objectives. Okay. Uh, if I look at you know where we were from a lending perspective, when we talked about it, most people said, I didn't even know you lent. I, I didn't even <laughs> know that you guys were a bank. Okay. So I think getting out there a little bit more recognition of who we are and what we do has yes. been a, a, a big achievement. Um, looking at, again, some of our digitization and innovation. Uh, before the government mortgage program launched, we had done our online lending application. Okay. Because without that, we couldn't have managed the mm -hmm. volume when it came in. Uh, we couldn't have continued to offer good turnaround time, good customer service, so that was good. Again, starting to make those steps because you imagine if I had showed up and said, here's a stack of paper, fill it in, and people <laughs> said, oh, come on. I'll, I'll, I'll go somewhere else or I'll do without. So that was that was great to see the innovation at space. And then for, we, it's not like we went for it, but for our efforts, we achieved eighth on the top ten employers list, which was a huge accomplishment. That's fantastic, yes. Uh, so a recognition, again, from my employees that we were doing the right things. Now, getting there is easy. <laughs> I think staying there over time <laughs> is the hard part. So we okay. have to commit to continue to... Uh, provide support for our staff and training and development so that that can continue. Uh, and so shout out, because I know Royal was, that was a key sponsor for that, but a, but a great initiative. Uh, so, to, you know, proud about that. Proud about how we structured the organization and got it to a place where, where we did. Uh, okay. And so now we're much more outwardly, outwardly focused. People are starting to hear more from us and and people start to get quite excited. People say, oh, what's going on over there? I, I'm seeing and hearing <laughs> so much more. So long may that continue. Okay. And then last, probably without you know, uh, getting too soppy, it, it is a genuine desire to help the community. Okay. Uh, I think, you know, as you look at a bank's uh, previous ethos, it, it was probably the enemy to hate. Yes, indeed. You know, people would look at us and say, come on, you know, it's expensive, <laughs> it's a terrible service. But now it's, it's how do we invest in and support the community? Okay. Because then I think both can be successful. Okay. Well, thank you, Neville. That's been incredibly insightful. No I'd problem. like to thank you for coming in for today's podcast and also thank Bermuda Commercial Bank for being our sponsor for sure. today's podcast. Absolutely. I'm Shivani Sait and I've been your host. You've been listening to the RG Podcast Network and the RG Business Navigate series with host Shivani Seth. Check the Royal Gazette for the next episode. Thank you for listening.